It's always a good time to avoid the hustle and bustle at the grocery store, not to mention the crowds. HelloFresh delivers everything you need to get dinner on the table directly to your door, contact-free. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmCast12 and use code FilmCast12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and what I have to say about this week's movie is Hollow Earth, more like Hollow Plot. Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Wow, we're just really starting on a low note today. Um, uh, my my thing is my blurb is uh, who know who knew. They both had a best friend named Marth- Mothra. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's yeah. very good. I like that one. And Jeff Kanata. Let's knock down some buildings. <laughs> All right. So, as you do. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Slash Filmcast. Today, of course, on the podcast, we'll be reviewing Godzilla versus Kong with Max Avery from Coming Soon. So, looking forward to that conversation about this movie. Uh, Jeff, did you happen to see how much Godzilla vs. Kong made at the box office this weekend? There's did, a box did, office? Did either of you? No. Okay. I saw so, it, yeah. Okay, so... Well, so I know that nobody... I, I the last Devinder I heard might was know, no... Which is why I went to Jeff, by the way. Um, so, so... Wait, so the last... The only context I have for this is that the last time we checked in on this, nobody won the weekend with, like, what, 6.9 million or something like that? Correct. Nobody the Bob Odenkirk movie, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, so that's my last that's my last reference point for what wins the weekend currently. Got it. Okay. So uh Godzilla vs. Kong, which is a movie that uh unlike nobody was available on a streaming service. Yeah. Right? HBO Max, fairly widely used streaming service. Uh it won the weekend, to no one's surprise. Uh would you like to guess how much money it made this weekend? <sighs> Domestically, I'm, domestic. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say twelve million dollars. Twelve million. So twice as much as nobody. Yeah, twice yeah. as much mm-hmm. as nobody. Yeah. Um. So the five day number, because it opened on a Wednesday, is forty eight point five. Wow. We're back, we just, baby. Are back, baby. And back. Uh, yeah. the three day is thirty two point two. So that is the by far the best opening of the uh, over the last like I don't know. 12, yeah. uh, 13, 14 months, basically. I don't know how to feel about this, but yeah. We're it's, back. Uh, it's, we're back. It's all happening. We're back. We're not fully vaccinated, but we're b- back, question mark. Yeah, we, yeah, we're not where we are, Devinjari. We're, we're, we're not fully right. vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, mm. I mean, some people are, I guess. Yeah. So uh, I, I think a lot of people are pointing to this and saying, like, look, it's a fit. Like, box office is coming back in a big way. And and I agree that it is coming back in a big way, but I do think that maybe Godzilla versus Kong is, uh, you know, uh, it, it's recipient it's unique, of pent up demand. It's unique, cir- yeah, exactly right. It's unique circumstances yeah. that it's opening in. Uh, and yes, a lot of movie theaters are opening, and a lot of people are getting vaccinated, and maybe people, maybe people are more willing to take a flyer on a Godzilla versus Kong movie than they would be otherwise. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think uh, that's kind of the big, big screen entertainment that people want to see in the movie theaters. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. What is remarkable about this, though, is that 
it is a movie that you could have watched at home on HBO Max. Like you could have paid. Yeah. I, I don't know, know if they're even offering trials, but you could have paid what fifteen dollars a month. Yeah. Less if you're like an AT and T subscriber or whatever, or you get a deal and you could have watched it at home. And fifty million dollars worth of people turned out over the course of five days to watch it, yeah. which is is pretty extraordinary. Uh, I have to say, like, it, I, I don't know that a, a court of like, sort of like a economic experiment has ever been conducted at this scale before, where a movie opened on a relatively large number of theaters, given the circumstances, and it was available at home, and it still did really well in theaters. Um, so I do think that's worth worth noting. So yeah, for sure. sure. I mean, sure. it's yeah. it, there's so many weird variables that would never be the case. You know, it's not. It didn't have any competition, really, right? People are have been pent up and clamoring for an opportunity to see something like this on the big screen. Uh, I think there's a lot of um, weird factors that don't make it make for a uh, <laughs> a pristine science experiment, but I I do think it's it's notable and very interesting. Yeah, um, I'm a little bit bummed that I didn't have a chance to go see it. You know, I uh, I wasn't I'm not, as of this recording, I'm not fully vaccinated or fully protected from the vaccine yet. So um, uh, I would have liked to have checked this out on IMAX, but um, you still can. <laughs> one day, one day, it's going to be there for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, it, it does seem to be an encouraging sign, not only for the box office's return, but also for the potential of. Uh, this mixed slash hybrid business model, like this kind of day and date style business model where it's available on a streaming service and also um, available uh, at the box office for like a normal price. So yeah, uh, looking forward to see, like, it's, it's almost like, Hey, they, this movie has shown that this model can theoretically work. Now that said $50 million is still not that much for a movie that I think costs around $200 million. Um, yeah. So under normal quote unquote, normal circumstances, and it probably would have opened, you know, in the 80, 90 range at maybe, the minimum. Yeah. 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 And who knows, like Godzilla King of the Monsters didn't do that well. And generally, like the last movie is a good predictor of the next movie, I think. Like the quality of the last movie is a predictor of the, the next movie. So yeah. um maybe it wouldn't have done well anyway. Like who knows? Yeah. So many variables. Do, but yeah. You know, you guys know that I've been pretty pessimistic about yeah. life post COVID. Um I do know that. But the last couple of weeks. I've changed my tune a bit. I mean, it, it, there's more evidence that life seems to want to go back to normal, uh, you know, and the the rate at which people are getting vaccinated, getting shots. And it just feels like there is really a light at the end of this tunnel. And it's much sooner than I ever thought it would be. I, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about this in the after dark, but I'm curious, like, uh, is it going to be difficult to adjust back to normal life for you in terms, like socially? You know what I mean? Because yeah, I'm. Uh, we haven't. I haven't like interacted with anyone inside this house and maskless for over a year, right? Yeah. So like when, if and when that day comes in the near future, like I think mentally I'm just going to start freaking out, you know. Uh, but I'm curious if uh, you guys are like, no, I can't wait. Like it's going to be completely back to normal again. You know, how, how are you guys feeling about that? I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a little pent up. I, I want to hang out and meet people because I've lived in this neighborhood in Georgia, you know, for almost a full year now. And I've talked to a lot of people, but we can never actually hang out or get to know each other. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to spending more time with my family who actually live nearby. Um, so, yeah, I, there are certainly things I'm not going to do. I'm not going to be going like in whole hog into like the most crowded places. I'm not going to be doing indoor dining for a while. 
You know, like that's let's be sensible a little. Now, people yeah. are doing it in my neighborhood. I see indoor dining yeah, all I over know. the place. And yep. I, like I said, like the last two weeks for the first time, maybe because I've gone out a little more and, you know, I, I've seen this behavior and the, the weather has been spectacular here. Spring is springing. And so people are out and there seems to be this desire, this this crazy desire to get back to normal life. And I, yeah. for the longest time, I was convinced that this was a paradigm shift that we'd never come back from. And now I'm starting to think that it might end up really being the kind of thing where in 2022, 2023, we're all going, oh my God, wasn't that crazy that year and a half? Do you even remember that? <laughs> this has happened before though, Jeff. Like yeah. that, that, this is what I was saying, yeah, you know, right. too. Like a hundred years ago, we, we had a really similar thing, which was even more contagious and more horrific. And we had barely any way of fighting it. So yeah, um, I, I feel like my thing is <laughs> the history of humans and civilization has kind of taught us that we're pretty social. We, we will do a lot of things, you know, to do things next to other humans. So that's what kind of led my optimism in this. I just, this was pre-vaccine. So I didn't know how, you know, when that would be, how good it would be. And these vaccines, I think, are the closest thing to a miracle I've seen yeah. in my lifetime. Like we're seeing uh, some of the potential uh, results of mRNA technology being used for other things. Yeah, I saw HIV. the HIV numbers. Yeah. It's crazy. It's pretty, pretty incredible. It's wild. But I, I so, mean, I think the only reason yeah. that I, I wasn't as, um, wasn't comparing it to those other times is because I really honestly felt that technologically there was going to be different behavior patterns that emerged because we weren't forced. We were it wasn't like social, you know, socializing was removed and then put back so much as it was like changed. It's modality was changed and you became we became digital creatures. And I, I assumed perhaps incorrectly that th that would just sort of persevere. And the fact that we, we had just changed our, the way we interact with people and that it was never kind of really going to go back. And now I'm, now I'm questioning all that. If, even if companies that have said, oh, you can be remote forever are going to change their tune. If it really is going to course, course correct back, you know, before the inevitable next virus. I do want to uh, read a couple emails that I think speak to our sure. current moment. Uh, we got this email from Tony from Leesburg, Virginia, um, who writes in, quote, uh, subject line, love the show. And then he continues, quote, it is amazing to me how different our experiences have been during the last year. I work in retail sales and have spent the last year going to work every day like normal and regularly interact with dozens of people every day, with many of them not taking the pandemic seriously. I'm constantly telling my employees and customers to put their masks on or back on properly. It's an uphill battle every day. When I hear how scared all of you seem to be, uh, even to go to a theater, it's amazing how different our life experiences must be. I'd love to have been able to work from home through all this, but my job just does not allow it. Thankfully, I've not gotten COVID, and I just got my first vaccination shot. I live in fear of it every day, but I have to resign myself to a heightened risk. I do feel like sometimes you guys make it seem like many of us are crazy to be out and interact with others, but there are millions of us who do not have the luxury of working from home as an option. I do not go to theaters, always wear my mask, and refuse to eat out because I do not want to add to my risk when I'm not forced by work. Hopefully, once I get my second shot, I can at least go a little bit back to normal. Anyway, keep up the great work. But there are many people in this country who have to go out and interact with people in order to keep a roof over our heads, end quote. I certainly uh, hope we points. haven't given that impression. You know, yeah. I, I, I certainly hope we've tried to, you know, carve out uh, understanding for those situations because we are indebted to a lot of those folks, you know? 100%. And uh, yeah, so certainly... 
if we have given that impression, apologies. There are many people who are uh, forced to work in order to survive, who uh, are essential workers. And if you are one of those, thank you for everything that you've done to help us get through this time. I will say that the the disappointment that I had. So first of all, to the extent that we've stayed at home, it's because um, we almost feel like it's a responsibility for people who are able to, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but like for me, mm-hmm. it's like I am able to stay at home and therefore I do everything I can to stay at home. And it's not just for, for sure. me. It's also to do quote stay home and tip tip super super well right, for exactly. anybody you know in instances where you can tip, exactly yeah. right exactly right. So like it's um, it feels like the least we can do to like avoid making the situation worse. But the the thing that really is angering is uh, is not people who are forced to go to work and must be in retail sales. It's the fact that our government has let so many people down and hasn't paid people to stay home. Uh, and like we've clearly as a society valued commerce uh, over people's lives. And that's been very disappointing. So yeah. if I if I'm I mean, part of our like my anger, I shouldn't speak for you guys, but like my anger is it, like for those who are able to stay home, like there's anger at like the people who haven't been or have been uh, more risky than they have had to be. And then uh, to the extent that people have had to work, uh, I am disappointed with the fact that our government has put people in that position. But I certainly don't begrudge people who have to work and then go to work. Like, that's just a very, obviously, you need to work to survive and uh, yeah. wishing you the best, Tony, and all the folks out there who need to go into an office or into a workspace every day and deal with dumbasses who don't wear masks or do things like that. So that's that's the that's the thing that almost broke me over the last year is just how inhuman a lot of people have been yeah. like in the midst of crisis. It's just like this, the bare minimum people like just let's try to protect each other. And that's been too much for some people. So, you know, I was in yeah, line. I, I hope everyone's trying to stay safe. I was in line at a, uh, a, a drive through coffee uh, place today. Uh, so I, I got in, but I was in line like, um, with just my body. Like I didn't have a car. <laughs> I just, I got in the drive through line. So I'm standing <laughs> between vehicles, right? Cause yeah. I don't want to go inside the place. Isn't that and against the this rules? This is a Curb Your Enthusiasm yeah. No, sketch. So yeah. generally, yeah. yes, but they were totally, they're totally cool with it because they understand yeah, yeah, there's yeah, people yeah. who don't yeah. want to go inside. So, uh, and they have a sign that says like, please wear a mask when you drive up to the window. And like, I could see in the cars in front of me and behind me, like no one was wearing a mask as they're going to the window. And I said to the woman, like, how is mask come? Compliance bin, and she said, "We had a guy come in the other day, and he was not wearing a mask. And he said to me, don't get the vaccine; it's going to alter your DNA.' Yeah. And I'm just like, man, that is that is a brutal double whammy to yeah. not be vaccinated and also not want to wear a mask. Um, I wish, also, I wish like you nothing you can do about those people too, yeah. like, because the corporate going to do uh, like walk offices. out of your job. Like you can't. So I I feel the greatest yeah. of sympathy yeah. for people who need to deal with those people." Anyway, go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, I wish she had just turned to you and say, mass compliance? We haven't even had car compliance. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Um, but I, I will w- also say that my, uh, my own <laughs> fucking family has people who think that the vaccine is going to... Yep. Yep. Do something to you. What I what I also love is the people who've been and the other things driving me insane is seeing people who have been crazy, um, I don't know, unsafe and kind of blase about the uh the whole pandemic, uh somehow be among the first to get the vaccine. I really wonder how that uh how that calculus is working out, mostly because it's like there are people who are really trying to keep themselves safe that should probably be protected before you. But anyway, 
Anyway. I want to write, read this email from Dalton uh, from Florida. Longtime listener and emailer Dalton from Florida who writes into slash filmcast gmail.com. Hey guys, I wanted to write in about Godzilla vs. Kong. March 31st was my two-week date after I got my second dose of vaccine. With the exception of renting out a theater via a private party twice for Tenet and once for The Exorcist <laughs> on Halloween. Wait, wait, let, let's just stop right there. <laughs> The exception of seeing the, uh, yeah, one of the biggest movie releases of the last year. Yes, yes, yes. Well, okay. okay but, you know, it's not, it's not that many. Um, three times it's in the last year. Not that year. many. Uh, two more, more than... Uh, yeah, more than me. Yeah, more than me. I've had... <laughs> but yes, okay. Uh, twice for yeah. Tenet and once for The Exorcist. I've not been to a regular showing of a film since February 27th, 2020 to see The Invisible Man. The Invisible Man. The movie theater isn't just some place for me. It's a second home. It's always been a place I could escape uh, my troubles for two hours or more. Through life's ups and downs, the movie theater was always there. So not being able to go to the movies for the past 13 months has been heartbreaking for me. On Friday, I ate outside at a restaurant for the first time since March of 2020, and I went to see Godzilla vs. Kong. I cried at the ticket kiosk. I cried during the IMAX countdown, and I was disappointed to find out AMC cut the dude jumping with his popcorn out of the pre-film ad. I wore a KN95 mask the entire time and got a popcorn to take after the film. I was so happy. The last 13 months have been the darkest of my life. Right before the pandemic uh, and the shutdown, I had to have life-saving surgery. I was lucky to be alive. So for the past 13 months, every day living in constant fear of catching and dying from COVID has had even more weight for me. Seeing Seeing Kong and Godzilla destroy buildings... While Alexander Skarsgård and Rebecca Hall flew around in a spaceship on an IMAX screen, healed my soul. I'm not trying to sound funny. I genuinely mean it. Godzilla vs. Kong is dumb. It is very dumb. It makes absolutely no sense. But I loved every single second. It felt like my life was back. For some people, movie going is just a hobby. But for me, it was my life. It's not the same to watch Godzilla vs. Kong at home which I did the following day. Sure, it's the same movie, (laughs) but the experience of hearing others laugh, of hearing others cheer, it isn't there. Movies aren't just about being projected on a giant screen in a dark room uh, the way I always thought it was. It's about the communal experience, about sitting in that dark room with a giant screen and laughing together or crying or screaming or even sitting in silence. That's what makes the movies the movies. Hope you guys are doing well and staying safe. End quote. I love it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Hope to be living that dream soon. Yeah. Thanks. I like how he's like, it's not the same. I know because I did an A-B test the next day. <laughs> it's science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Dalton. And uh, it's it's a beautiful email. And I think it mirrors what a lot of us uh, listening right now feel about the movies and how important of a role they've played in all of our lives. So I hope we can see you guys back at the movies very, very soon. Hey, I want to jump in here and tell you about our new sponsor. And this is one that I am so excited to tell you about because over the last few days, I have completely fallen down the rabbit hole in love with Masterclass. I'm sure you've heard of Masterclass. I've seen ads for it all over the place, but I never took the time to check it out. And I am so glad that I have now because it is an incredible resource of spectacular information i i'm telling you before i've gone to bed over the last two weeks every single night i've watched something on masterclass learned something new watch these incredible minds the world's best minds tell me the things they are best at in the world 
I learned how to make an omelet and scrambled eggs from the guy that runs the French Laundry. I watched Steph Curry tell me how to shoot a basketball. I've been learning magic from Penn and Teller. I watched a screenwriting course from Aaron Sorkin. The list goes on and on. There's acting classes from Samuel L. Jackson and Natalie Portman that I can't wait to watch. It's phenomenal. They're all shot with such high quality. The wealth of information you get. I was watching a comedy course from Steve Martin where he goes in and literally critiques these young stand-up comedians' stand-up sets. It's fascinating, even if you're not even interested in the topics. And by the way, I've been watching things that aren't in my field of interest, topics that I never knew I was interested in, but because the information is presented so compellingly from such fascinating people that all of a sudden I'm drawn in. I go, oh, I'm going to click. Oh, I know. I recognize that person. I'm just going to click on this. And all of a sudden, because they're expressing their passion about something that I never knew I cared about, but seeing someone really get excited and really tell you about this lifetime of experience they bring to bear on their art or their business or their vocation. It is, I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson's on here. It's, it's a who's who of the most fascinating, interesting, coolest people. There's tons of writing, tons of filmmaking. Martin Scorsese does a, and Ron Howard, they both do things about directing. It's just, I mean, the list goes on and on. It's extraordinary who Masterclass has cobbled together. So you got to try this out. I highly recommend it. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass. And as a Slash Filmcast listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash filmcastpod. That's masterclass.com slash filmcastpod, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T-P-O-D, for 15% off Masterclass. All right, folks. Well, uh, while we are not going to the movies, we can still stream things at home. And that's what we're going to cover in this next segment, what we've been watching. We talk about the stuff we've been watching. And if you want to recommend something you want us to watch, all you got to do is use the hashtag slash tag. That's hashtag and then the word slash tag or the words slash tag uh, on Twitter. And we'll see it. Uh, you can see it. You can search for hashtag slash tag, see what people are recommending. Very useful. And then uh, and pick out something to, to, to check out. I want to mention a couple things I watched this week. I watched a show called Back on AMC+. Plus. Have you guys heard of this show? Uh, this was a hashtag slash tag that somebody recommended. I really mm. want to check it out, but I don't have AMC+. Plus. Yeah. Um, so first of all, uh, <laughs> the, the, so have any of you guys seen Peep Show? Yes. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jeff. I, you, you would I don't love know if, I don't know if Jeff show. would love Peep Show, but it, it's a show I feel okay recommending to Jeff. Yeah, you you would love everybody on Peep Show. Let me put it that way. It's yeah. kind of like a. Uh, I, I would say it's. I'm, oh, this I'm is the Mitchell and Webb show. Yeah, the Mitchell yes, Webb show. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it is brilliant, and it's one of my favorite shows of all time. It's available on Hulu. Peep Show is. Yeah, and I strongly recommend it. Um, mm -hmm. Simon John Blackwell is one of the creators of Peep Show. He also worked on The Thick of It and Veep and In the Loop, and he created a new sitcom called Back which is a new show starring David Mitchell and Robert Webb, who are the two main actors of Peep Show. And uh, it is streaming right now on AMC+. You can also, I have YouTube TV, so I watched it on YouTube TV. 
And the plot is pretty basic. It's ba- you know, like it, it's a, it's a plot we've seen in many movies where uh, uh, Stephen, uh, one of the main characters of the show, his father dies, and so he goes back home to take over the family business, but finds maybe there is lessons to be learned and more there back at home than he bargained for. You know, so it's a very basic. Never, I've never seen this <laughs> before. It's a very basic movie. setup, and I'll say that I've watched the first couple episodes, and I'm enjoying it. It's not as good as uh, Peep Show, in my opinion, nor is it as good as that Mitchell and Webb look. I think Peep Show and that Mitchell and Webb look are both brilliant. Yeah. And this didn't this start a couple years ago. It I started a couple years it ago. It's airing yeah. the season two right now. So I started watching season one. It's airing season two right now, and I have to say. It is one of the worst titles I've ever seen for a TV show. Like, ever. also really hard to search. Yeah, it's, it's everything. It's, it's named an after SEO one of the night- buttons on your remote. What are you talking about? It's an SEO nightmare, and <laughs> it, it's just it's 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 staggering to me how bad the title is. Because because by the way, if you okay, so you're thinking okay okay back right like you can't just search back because you're definitely not going to find the show then. So then search for back AMC or back AMC plus. Problem is problem is guys. I don't know if you were aware of this. AMC, the movie theater, is starting to reopen. It's coming back? <laughs> it's coming back. It's coming back. So you're not going to find it by searching back AMC. So basically, you need but to search like... But that plus on there, that plus on there certainly must help, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to search like back, like Simon Blackwell, or back like Webb, yeah. Mitchell, and Webb. It's just it's like... What every American will be searching This for. is just yeah. a freaking... like. It's so it's so bad it actually makes me angry. Like that's how bad it is. <laughs> it's like why couldn't you come up with a better name for this show? It is a pe- it is a peep show bit of you getting mad about how bad this title yes. is actually. So I love it. Anyway, terrible title, decent show. I'm enjoying it so far. I plan to keep watching. I mean, it's six it's six episodes per season. <laughs> you can get through it in a, in a night. Yeah. Uh, I, I, can, I can imagine the brainstorm session of the title for the show, by the way. It's like, listen, <laughs> people just like us. We already did Mitchell and Webb. Look, we did, we're just back. Okay, we're just back. <laughs> it's just us. Back. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Cigar drops from executive's mouth. Um, okay. I also had a chance to watch WeWork or The Making and Breaking of a $47 Billion Unicorn, the new documentary about WeWork that's available right now on Hulu. Ah. And I thought it was fine. You know, there's all these movies now, these documentaries that are made from things that happened in the last two years. Like I talked about the college admission scandal movie and now WeWork, this WeWork thing happened just a couple years ago. And it's cool. It gives you a little bit of interviews with people that like broke the story and that were part of the story. Uh, the CEO of WeWork and his wife, who were like very controversial figures, I will just say, are not interviewed in this movie, which is obviously a big loss. Um, not, yeah. I mean, I understand why they would refuse to participate, but you know, yeah. Uh, but this is a movie that is just like, I, you know, when I watch a movie like this, I'm like, okay, I. David Chen have read a lot about WeWork and, and yes. it's downfall. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm looking for something that like illuminates my understanding of it in a way that uh, I didn't get from reading constantly mm-hmm. about this. And I like the Theranos doc, I think did a good job of that. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so. Um, but uh, this did not, in my opinion. And not only that, it has one of the most I, I I'm not going to talk too much about it. I'll just vaguely allude to it, but it has one of the most bizarre endings to a documentary I've ever seen. 
And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to like be more specific about it, but I'll just say like, you ever, you ever watch it? This happens to me all the time. And Devendra thinks I shouldn't have this happen to me at all. But have you ever watched something and then you get to the end and you're like, that destroyed almost all of my goodwill from that you built up before this. That's kind of what happened Rarely. to me while watching Rarely. We Were. Like, the ending was so bizarre and bad that I'm like, <laughs> it made me retroactively question all the decisions that have been made until that point. Anyway. Yeah. That's We Work. The, this thing <laughs> got a lot of buzz out of South By, so I will probably still watch it at some point. Have either of you worked at a We Work? I have, no. and I find it quite pleasant. We rented a WeWork I, once uh, for different re- to shoot in it, but not to uh-huh, not to actually uh-huh. work in it. But I guess that's I, I guess that's I, working. Yeah, that's working. Did you did you work in it long, Dave? Uh, yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit. I, I I will say that one of the things that the the movie does well is uh, making you understand. Uh, here's the problem with a lot of startups today: is mm-hmm. you have VCs and CEOs who are running companies that are not tech companies. Yeah, this is not... They reparceled rented space. <laughs> That's all they did. They, they rented out <laughs> desks, guys. That's what WeWork did. Yeah. They rented out desks and rooms in an mm-hmm. office. I think you guys uh, are forgetting the fact that they also made a website. <laughs> so true. It's so true. If I you mean, call that a website. I mean, certainly yeah. they emphasize that part, Jeff, um, mm-hmm. in, in pursuit. But the thing is, you have all these companies that, that are basically not tech companies, but they are funded by VCs who are expecting tech company-like returns on investment. Mm-hmm. They're like, you got to be 10x, you got to be 100x. You, you got to have a breakthrough that is going to completely crack this thing wide open. And I think it's just, in general, very dangerous when you have people who think they're the next Steve Jobs, but they are doing something that's not what Steve Jobs is doing, a.k.a. renting desks. Yeah, exactly, just renting desks. And I think think this movie does a good job at illustrating that danger. So so that that part of the movie was good. Anyway. I'll I'll say... I uh, I hated working at a weird guys. Like if if you was wondering never what I was really... building up to, but yes, <laughs> no, just because it was it was the fucking worst. It was just people thrown together. It was like the worst of college, right? Like, and it was mostly like young bros in New York at different WeWork. So you're all sh- it's 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 people with like very competing interests trying to share very tiny spaces together. And nobody like so there is no like real need for communal um, good. Right. Like people don't care about being too loud or hogging all the conference rooms or just like being absolute jerks. Like a lot of them have like ping pong tables and stuff outside that you could hear in all of the uh, all the offices and people. It, it was just this weird culture they were trying to bring. Uh, they were trying to build this culture of everybody being like friendly and like, hey, we're all in startup world. Right. Like, let's let's do this thing, folks. And it just felt it's like this weird industrial death zone of innovation i just hated being inside them and in new york we'd have to visit them a lot too because there are always companies uh you know based inside these things i'm very glad this company fell apart because they co-opted the idea of co-working which was such a beautiful thing like just just let's get together and work together folks like let's find a spot you work i work we work together (laughs) that's we work uh, or the making and breaking of a forty-seven billion dollar unicorn. Pretty rough title as well, by the way. But it is on Hulu right now. Mm-hmm. The other show I mentioned, which you've already forgotten the title of, is Back, which is on AMC Plus. That's what I've been watching this week. Devendra, what have you been watching this week? 
I checked out this movie called Happily, directed by Ben David Grabinski. This was actually one of our uh, one of the things we could have potentially reviewed in the the coming weeks. And uh, this is a hard movie to describe. So I will I will say the basic premise. Uh, it stars Joel McHale, who I love, and Carrie Bechet, who I also love from *Halt and Catch Fire*, as a married couple. They've been together for I think like fifteen years, a very long time. And they are still madly in love. They're like, have the hots for each other. They're, they're the, as in love as they were, you know, the first week they met or something like having sex multiple times a day, having flings wherever they can, like just, just like really into each other and all their friends hate them. That is the setup for the movie. Uh, there is a dinner. There's like a weekend party. These things where you can like, just like rent a place with your friends and hang out, you know, for a weekend and kind of, kind of chill out for a while. They get invited to this thing with the friends who kind of hate them. That's basically it. I will, I won't say much more than that. Uh, the trailer probably reveals some more. Um, but it, it is a weird movie about people who, uh, who hate this couple, but also there's like this weird sci-fi element to it. There's kind of like twin Peaksy stuff. Um, you know, uh, I, I think the thing I can say about it is that it's a lot of fun and it stars a ton of people you'd probably like to see in a movie together, like Paul Shear and Natalie Zia and Steven Root and Natalie Morales and, uh, who else? Charlene Yee. Like just people I really enjoy seeing separately all smooshed into a movie together in uh, kind of a very rich house. Uh, I think it's really funny. I think there's some really fun stylistic bits here. Um, I was watching it with my wife and she was really into the vibe of it because there's like um, it's kind of like a horror thriller at times with like psychedelic imagery and stuff. I don't know if the ultimate mystery of this movie fully gels right? Like, I don't know if the ending will hit for you, but I think the journey is really good and really fun. And I love this cast and I want to see Carrie Bechet in more things because I think she's fantastic. So check out Happily if you can. I think if, uh, if you're interested in like unique comedies and like dark comedies and thriller comedies, probably a blind buy. It may end up streaming somewhere soon, but in easy rent. I think this is, anybody can rent this and enjoy it. All right, that's happily, and you can buy it or rent it right now on video on demand. Yeah, I'm planning on checking it out. I've heard great things, so uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking fun. forward to it. Jeff Kanata, what are you watching? Well, I have a movie that fits in a, a similar category for me. I mean, at least based on Devinder's descriptors, I I don't know if it's similar actually, but it certainly I would describe it in a very similar way. It's a bizarre movie with a whole bunch of people that I like being in movies together. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a movie called Infinity Baby. Oh, man. I cannot believe you watched that. I can't believe I watched it that either. That seems like a horror movie to me right now. But okay. This okay, is go ahead. A, a hashtag slash tag suggestion uh, from at Michael Fink CMT. Thank you, Michael, for the recommendation. Um, we're looking for something to, to watch. Just cruise through the hashtag slash tags. Had never heard of this movie. Found it on Amazon Prime Streaming. And my wife and I were like, let's give it a shot. I like all these people. Nick Offerman's in it. Uh, Stephen Root again, uh, Kieran Culkin, Megan Mullally, the people we like. So we we checked it out. Have you seen this, Devendra? I have not seen this because I saw the trailer for this and I saw it right after we had Sophia, and I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to be watching this for a while. Yeah. So here's the premise of this movie. Uh, <laughs> in the near future. There is a deal made between the left and right of this country where uh, 
<laughs> abortion becomes illegal, but in exchange, stem cell research is given free reign. <laughs> and the result is that somebody using stem cells creates babies that don't age. Yeah, great, great. Infinity babies. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, a, it's a mistake. There's only a few of them, but they're trying to get people to adopt the infinity babies that stay baby forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is the B story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a jail sentence. Like, uh, That's the B story. The A story is Kieran Culkin is a dude who wants to find the perfect w- woman, hates most women, and is trying to uh, find a woman that that lives up to an impossible set of standards and she has to like, wow, his mom who's played by Megan Mullally. Uh, and that's like the, if she can wow his mom, then, you know, he'll be with her forever. This is a weird movie. It's black and white. Uh, it is an hour and 20 minutes. The experience of watching this movie with my wife and I, is we kept turning to each other and going, do you want to keep watching this? And, <laughs> and my wife would be like, yeah, I think I, I think I do. And I would be it's like, 45 minutes. We might as well yeah. go all the like, way. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep watching yeah. it too. And then like 15 minutes, like you want to keep watching this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I do. Okay. I think I do too. All right. And then we got to the end and we were like, are you glad we watched this? And she's like, I think I am. Uh, it is a weird trippy movie. That's kind of, it's darkly funny. There are some odd, odd turns that happen. Some interesting meandering, um, you know, philosophical kind of musings that I think are interesting. Certainly not a movie for everybody. I guess I'm glad I watched it. It's uh, it's fascinating. I, I wouldn't call it the laugh riot. I mean, in the in um, Michael's hashtag slash tag tweet, he says Infinity Baby is hilarious. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Is streaming on Prime Video now. Uh, I would not categorize it as hilarious, but yeah, it is. I, I'd like that question mark. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, interesting movie. Interesting. All right. Movie. That's Infinity Baby. It's on Prime Video. What else are you watching, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I also. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to look at my list as I forgot. Oh, I also watched <laughs> a documentary on Netflix called The Last Blockbuster. Um, have you guys seen this yet? I have not. Um. This is it's like this fine. is like uh, somebody like murdering someone, like a serial killer murdering someone, then going back to the scene of the crime and then like making a whole home movie out of it. Basically, well, it's interesting because the that's, entire that's premise, like Netflix distributing the last blockbuster. The, yeah, it's a Netflix movie about the last blockbuster, and the entire premise of the last block, blockbuster is it's a real misconception that Netflix killed blockbuster. <laughs> that's literally the thesis of this well, movie. Blockbuster killed blockbuster. Let me just it's be clear. True. Sorry. Yeah. I, I should, I should be clear. Like uh, Netflix is not distributing this movie. They are just carrying it for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, do you yeah. see the Netflix glee, logo? <laughs> oh, you, you see it. You see it pop up at the beginning. You're saying. You see the Netflix logo multiple times in this movie mm. uh, at the beginning mm. and throughout, because they're constantly talking about people's misconception mm. that Netflix killed blockbuster. There's a lot of interesting tidbits like, the fact that Blockbuster had the opportunity to purchase Netflix yes, whole yes. cloth yes. for a very uh-huh. small sum and turned it down. And uh, a, a lot of a lot of interesting sort of it's interesting getting to a certain age in life where you'll see documentaries of a time that you 
remember like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And but they're talking about it like it's ancient history. Um, I think I had some of that experience watching the OJ Simpson movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that, where it's like mm-hmm. I lived through all of this. Blockbuster, the, you know, the story of Blockbuster is different because it's not like, oh, here's what happened to famous people while you were alive. It's like, here's what you were experiencing all the time. The, so much of this movie is trying to convey to the audience what it was like to rent a movie. <laughs> there is tons of time spent in this we document. We to document the insanity of what we uh, lived through. Yeah, no, but it, I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, one of those, those, that YouTube channel, like, you know, kids play, you know, kids dial a rotary telephone right. or kids play, yeah, yeah. you know, cartridge video games and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's basically that they, they've cobbled together a a number of, of interesting, you know, standup comedians, uh, Kevin Smith and, um, um, Paul Shear, I think was in there. Paul Shear. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of notable, you know, uh, standup comics that, that we all like that are interviewed in this movie talking about like what it was like when you were a kid going to Blockbuster and renting movies. And what was the smell? There's an entire section of this movie where it's like, what was the smell like of a Blockbuster? And (laughs) <laughs> it, you know, it is it is nostalgia porn, yeah, and it is also overlong and kind of thin. the The best part about it is it is talking about the last blockbuster that's in existence, which yeah. exists in Bend, Oregon. It's and like it's a se- six hour drive away from me, so it's not. Too, I've I've driven past it. I drove past it, and I was like, because I went to the Bend Film Festival because one of my short films showed at the Bend Film Festival, and we drove past this blockbuster. I was like. Is that a is that what I think it is? You know, and and I yeah. wish you, to you God just some prime documentary material. I know. I wish I had stopped yeah. there, um, but I didn't uh, until you know. But anyway, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. I well, I, I think it, the the best part of this documentary is that the the owner and proprietor, the I guess the manager of this blockbuster, is by all accounts a delightful human being. Yeah. She just seems like a sweet, sweet person. They call her Blockbuster Mom. She's had like generations of kids work at her store and maintains relationships all all of them interviewed talk about her as being the best boss they've ever had it's just a very sweet portrait of a woman who likes her job and does it well and i for that it's it's you know i enjoyed watching it but so much of the movie for someone of my age who remembers blockbuster well it's like is redundant and it, it didn't feel it didn't feel like this lovely walk down memory lane. It felt like an instructional video on something that you know well. It's like no, no, you don't understand. Two plus two equals four. Let me break it down for you. See yeah. the number one I mean, and the number yeah. other number one combined to a number two. You know, it's like I, I, I know all this. So yeah, y- you know it well, right? Yeah, like you know it well. I feel like I, I think the there are things that pop up that just make it make us feel old. I guess and the thing that made me feel old, I don't know if it was a troll. But it was somebody saying um, it was it was like a teen or, or a Gen Z kid saying like, "What the fuck is burning CDs?" Oh yeah, <laughs> and it really made me think, "What the fuck is burning CDs?" We just kind of we just kind of stopped. Yeah. At one point, I moved to New York with a pile of CDRs <laughs> and DVDRs in 2009. Guys, I moved I moved from Massachusetts to New York with those things. Never touched them. <laughs> But somehow during the 2000s, that's all we were doing. Oh, I burned so many CDs, dude. Yeah, yeah. You got that CDRW drive. It's, it's you know? kind of amazing to contemplate like all the different formats of things that we went through. Like there was like yeah. mini DVs and the mini discs. Dude, I, then, I, had, I I started with cassettes, man. I, I was a cassette yeah, tape yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, I started with My cassette. first album yeah. I ever bought was uh, Use Your Illusion on cassette. And, uh, you know, I lived through cassettes to CDs, 
to mini DVDs to, uh, you know, to the digital age. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. And everything's just boring now because it's all just files. Yeah. You know, fi- fi- yeah, files that's right. That's right. It used to be, yeah, yeah, eight tracks and the cassettes and the vinyl yeah. and everything. And now it's just, it's files no, it's on, a, on a glass out slab. Speak it out loud. <laughs> Say it to the air. And then the song appears. That's my children. That's the only way yeah. they know music is played. You it's just right. call out to the air what you want to hear. Yeah. 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 And and it has everything. And the, only, the only problem is if you mispronounce the thing. That's the only problem. There's the, if you want to hear something, you will hear it immediately as long as you say it clearly to the world. Incredible. That's, <laughs> we're getting old, it's, guys. It's wild. So old. I, so old. I would wait hours by the radio with a cassette <laughs> holding my finger over the record same, and play buttons. Yep. I, I would call the radio and ask them to play <laughs> yeah. a thing and hope it shows up within yeah. the next hour. And then I would, yeah. have, and then I would have a, a recording that had like – 14 seconds of the DJ's voice on either side of it. And that's just the way I heard that song. So I thought the lyrics of the song just melded right into the DJ's voice forever. That's just how I remembered a song. Yeah. And well, that's, ch- the, last, kids, you know, that's you know. the last blockbuster. Um, and when civilization is in ashes, uh, they'll be able to use this movie to recreate what the movie rental experience was I, like. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, AI I don't think aliens, this movie is. Yeah. I don't think this movie is is useful. Honestly, I I actually f- feel like this movie is. A, an, an, you get, you got to ask your kids. You Jeff. really got to ask what? your kids. You really when they turned no, no, no. on this movie over. Yeah. The no, no, no. It's not. It's not because it's not just because it's not useful for me. I feel like it's it's a uh, it's uh, an idol built to a false god. It's like I I understand. There's a lot of people who have nostalgia for walking through a video store and picking out a video i do too i did it many 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 times like just walking through the aisles and go what are we going to watch this week but there's like the way the 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 reverence for like the video store owner giving you an, a recommendation that fucking never worked like that is my experience and <laughs> and also the 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 false god that they're idolizing here is this weird like corporate yeah, the thing that killed all the mom and pop stores. Yeah, that yeah. this commercial entity that is only known because they were fucking ubiquitous. They were everywhere. And it was just this, it, you know, it's like if McDonald's went away and we're all like nostalgic for McDonald's. It's like, no, it's fucking garbage food. You know, it, 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 there's nothing, there's no there there. It's just hollow nostalgia. And and I just felt, it just felt a little icky. Like there's really nothing special about blockbuster video other than we all know it you know yeah i agree yeah, yeah. well and they well, destroyed well, everything yeah. okay yes and also the fact that one of these places still exists uh and sure. it's the last i mean one. like i said it seems delightful uh, that per, this woman for the title it's the last one jeff yeah this woman is it seems like a really nice human being and i liked that about it like the way she treated human beings her other around her seemed useful to know about but the the this, there's so little of the movie that's about her and so much of the movie that's like god do you remember fucking rewinding tapes and oh it's so it's just a physical thing in my hand and i've got it and oh my god yeah. we're going to hand each of the people that we've been interviewing one of these old plastic boxes that they oh look oh wow it's like no that's fucking bullshit it's just it's just a thing that we all know it's, it's there's no there's nothing special about that. It's, I don't know. It just felt I, I, I don't think weird. I've heard you turn on a movie during the What We've Been Watching segment so quickly, Jeff. You were like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Now you're like, I fucking hate this movie. No, I don't <laughs> hate it. I don't hate it. I just It's just a weird fetish. Like, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And the movie goes deep down that hole of like fetishizing it. It, it. Does it does it do the games at all? Because actually, I think the games at Blockbuster was a big draw for me more than some of the movies at the time. Well, there's a lot of people talking about, um, you know, renting games at the same time. You or can like, rent consoles. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's things that I didn't remember. And it's so crazy that that, you know, they're talking about a time when I was already in Los Angeles. You know, like I remember the I remember the Blockbuster video on Sunset Boulevard so vividly like driving by it so many times and it's crazy to me that that's like my adult life anyway but um ron funches tells the story about like when he heard that the blockbuster was going out of business he went and rented all of the gamecube games they had and he's like you're not getting any of these back (laughs) 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 it's pretty funny it's brilliant absolutely brilliant all right that's the last blockbuster you can watch it right now on netflix It's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, HelloFresh. Now, I'm sure you've heard me talk about HelloFresh a lot. That's because I use HelloFresh a lot every single week. I love it. My family loves it. It has simplified our life. It has improved our life. What is it? HelloFresh is a meal delivery service. They send you pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes. They deliver it right to your door so you don't have to go to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make cooking at home fun and easy. And that's what I love about it. I love preparing home-cooked meals for my family. Just the other night, uh, we just had uh, Easter here. And Easter night, I made pork schnitzel. Maybe not the most traditional Easter evening meal, but it was delicious. It was restaurant quality, and it delighted my family. And that's how it happens every week with HelloFresh. I have so much fun picking out on the app from over 23 recipes every week, what's going to show up at the door? And I don't get extra ingredients. I don't have a bunch of extra stuff that I bought at the grocery store that's just going to go bad in the fridge. I get the pre-portioned exactly what I need to make the meal. I can feel better about not wasting. And there's so much more variety in our menu. I'm tasting all these wonderful recipes that I would never have selected on my own. I would never have known how to make on my own. These are dinners that can get on the table in 30 minutes or less. And there are so many options as to the kind of meals. You want to go with low calorie or carb smart or vegetarian options? How about pescatarian? You can craft the menu you want. And every week there's variety, there's interesting flavors, and it's all made by me. I, I cook it. I know what goes into it. I know it's healthy and made for my family. Plus, HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal without sacrificing the quality. You get that delicious restaurant quality meal. My wife and I turn to each other all the time and go, man, if we ordered this at a restaurant, we would be thrilled. So go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmCast12 and use the code FilmCast12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Try it yourself. You're going to love it. HelloFresh.com slash FilmCast12 and the code FilmCast1212 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Let's get to weekly plugs, folks. And I just realized (laughs) for the third week in a row Mm. that the weekly plugs music is not working. Because you restarted. Yeah, because I started a new recording on this uh, thing. 
In your defense, it's happened to me every week on DLC as well. What so. if I can I upload it? Dur- oh, I can't even yeah, upload it during. No, the no, thing. that's what I do. I do it live. I I click on the plus sign. Pick okay, the file. Right, I'm, I'm uploading it now, and we are gonna get to weekly plugs. We're gonna do weekly plugs. Always a always a nail biter. What happens to that weekly plug yeah. segment? I'm really I'm just jamming to it now. Now I'm like rocking <laughs> yeah. in my seat to this. Okay. Yeah, weekly plugs a yeah. part of the show each week where we plug something we've been making or something someone else has been making. Um, this week I want to plug David Ferrier's newsletter called Webworm. David Ferrier is the director uh, of the documentary Tickled, which I really appreciated. Uh, I forget what your guys' opinion of Tickled was. Do you like you that movie? Do? You, you forget? Yeah. I think you I, thought I it was really weird, Jeff. That's what I, I basically did, we I offended the the poor man who listens to our show oh, and that's is right. a delight. Yeah, he that's seems right. like a very nice person, and I was <laughs> unkind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I should I should have just assumed. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, he writes. It was uh, sort of the last blockbuster situation, I think. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. He's also the creator of uh, the newsletter called Webworm, uh, which is really cool. It's very much in the spirit of what Tickled was. He dives into uh, weird conspiracy holes and internet trolls and things like that. Um, but uh, this week, he actually asked me to write for Webworm uh, and talk about my thoughts on what's going on in the U.S. right now with violence against Asian Americans and things of that nature. So uh, I was honored that he asked and I wrote something for Webworm. So I would uh, recommend you check that out. David Ferrier's newsletter, Webworm. Uh, and also uh, my podcast, Culturally Relevant, is where I talk about that stuff too. Okay, that's my weekly plug. Devendra, how about you? Uh, yeah, I want to show a couple of things, actually. I was on an episode of this podcast called Follow Friday by Eric Johnson, which has a really cool um, conceit. It is just about you talking about people who other people should follow on Twitter. So I picked some of my favorite. Oh, Twitter Dave, followers. you and me. It must have been you and me he picked. I picked some of my favorite <laughs> Twitter followers and, uh, you know, shared it with the world. I'm not going to spoil them all here. Uh, if you look up the episode, it's probably all there. But people I think you should listen to. And I think it's a it's a fun thing to, like, just talk about the people you like on the Internet because I feel like so much of our time on Twitter is just you know, hating on the, uh, the idiots, like the retweets of bad news and things. So, you know, this is good. I like to check out follow Friday. It's at follow Friday podcast.com. All right. And, uh, Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. I want to talk. Wait, oh, one, oh, okay. one, one yep. more thing. I was like, yeah, real quick, real quick. Yep, go ahead. <laughs> real quick. I also interviewed the creator of final fantasy Hironobu Sakaguchi wow. uh, from his, uh, his Hawaii home. He's a very chill dude, but he just released a, an RPG on Apple arcade called Fantasian. It is sort of like a throwback to, uh, to his old school RPGs, to be honest. Um, the really cool thing, every single background of this game is a hand crafted miniature. Yeah. Physical model, so, right? It's so it looks cool. Beautiful. Yeah. It looks beautiful. Everything in this game looks like a diorama. I'm like three or four hours in and I'm really digging it. So if you have an iOS uh, device or Mac or whatever, it's worth checking out Apple arcade for this thing. It's pretty cool. And you can read my interview at Engadget.com. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. 
I want to mention my Cameo account. Uh, it's cameo.com slash Jeff Canada, where if you like the limericks that I make for the show, I'm happily selling them. You can give them to a friend for any occasion. And they're personalized, comes with a personal video message from me where I read the unique bespoke limerick that I have crafted, handcrafted for your purposes. Uh, it's been really fun. Almost up to 100 limericks that I've delivered to satisfied customers. And wow. you, you should check out the numerous five-star reviews on my Cameo account, cameo.com slash Jeff Canada, to see how delighted people tend to be with the results. It's it's been really gratifying and really fun, and I hope more people uh, check it out and get a limerick of their very own. That's Jeff's cameo. Uh, those are our weekly plugs. I also want to plug our Patreon over at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. That is where you can support this show uh, and sign up for bonuses like ad-free episodes as well as After Dark episodes. This week on the After Dark, we'll be talking about Shin Godzilla, and I'm going to try to convince Jeff Kanata to watch a trailer for Space Jam 2. So uh, that is what is on uh, on tap for us tonight on the After Dark episode. In the meantime, let's get to our review of Godzilla vs. Kong. This is our only chance. We have to take it. What's coming? And this child. She's the only one he'll communicate with. I knew that they had a bond. She had nowhere to go, so I made a promise to protect her. And I think that in some way, Kong did the same. That was from the trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong. The newest film in the MonsterVerse. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. The epic next chapter in the cinematic MonsterVerse pits two of the greatest icons in motion picture history against one another. The fearsome Godzilla and the mighty Kong with humanity caught in the balance. It's a pretty good blurb. It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, As far as IMDb blurbs go, pretty good. Joining us tonight for our conversation, review, discussion, debate about Godzilla versus Kong Directed by Adam Wingard. He is the managing editor at ComingSoon.net. Max Avery, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. Max, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very good. And uh, as Nicolas Cage once said, this is fight night and I am the king. Nice. (laughs) Which movie is that? Is that Snake Eyes? That is Snake Eyes. Oh, man. Good call. Nicolas Cage deep cut there. Uh, So, Max... Uh, I, I am told that your uh, your Godzilla expertise is not necessarily unrivaled, but certainly formidable. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like a little bit of a tourist in that yeah. because, like, I I did like watch most of them fairly recently, but uh, yeah, I've watched about twenty two out of thirty, so about roughly two thirds of all the Godzilla movies ever made. His Godzilla and, knowledge is an eight hundred pound gorilla. <laughs> Nailed it, Jeff. Nailed it. <laughs> let me let me tell you guys a story about Max, by the way, who I know from my time in Brooklyn. I remember ahead of was it Dark Shadows, Max. You yeah. committed to watching every goddamn episode of Dark Shadows, which is hundreds 
of episodes. No, it's it's Isn't it's it? it's it's about it's about twelve hundred. <laughs> this man is insane. So yeah. Uh yeah. I mean I, I only got so far into that. Um but uh I mean like, you know, thirty movies is pretty doable. It's my understanding that Adam Wingard actually watched them all mm. over a period of just a few days. I can, I can, yeah. Yeah. I can certainly <laughs> tell. He tried yeah. to get them all into this yeah. movie, too. Yeah. Every plot point. So he, he he actually told me that he like started to like really just like fade out <laughs> towards yeah. the yeah, later same. I, I concur. Same. Yeah. <laughs> so, Max, before he really, he really delivered on the entire Godzilla experience, Wingard. I, I mean, yeah. maybe I have to change my opinion of this. <laughs> so... Uh, Max, before we even get to this film, uh, I am curious whether you, uh, ha- what your opinion was of the other kind of MonsterVerse films, uh, the uh, Gareth Edwards uh, Godzilla, and then Godzilla King of the Monsters, and then Kong Skull Island, kind of compared to those other Godzilla movies, like what was your opinion of this franchise going into Godzilla versus Kong? Um, my, uh, I, what did I think of them? Not much. Um, <laughs> I think that they're, uh, they're, they're very kind of, you know, it's, it's funny. This one takes place on hollow earth because like that they're all kind of hollow and like pointless. Um, and I think like, but I think up until this one, they just didn't get it. And I'm, I'm even going to lump in the, uh, you, you know, the 98 movie into that too. That's like, just uh, we, we just don't it. talk about that one anymore. <laughs> but in, in terms of like, you know, the, the American studio versions of these movies, like I think they, they've always just been like, okay, like it's gotta have like compelling human characters and all this human drama. And like, this was the first one where it was like, okay, they get it. It's the monsters stupid, mm. which I believe. I, w- I wish they got said. that a little more. To be honest, like a little, little less humans, a little more monsters. I I would submit to you guys, like, I don't want to, this is not the right necessarily time and place to go off on this, but I would submit to you that the 1998 Godzilla is better than all of these films. Neither the time, nor the place, Dave. Neither the time, nor the place. But okay, but okay, 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 okay. We don't, we're not going to get there. Catch you in Hollow Earth. Maybe that's an after dark. Yeah, we've just decided what the after dark is. I didn't know Armand White was (laughs) there. So, uh, okay, so you you didn't like the movies that much, so your your expectations were probably low going into Godzilla versus Kong. Maybe you were a fan of Adam Wingard going in. What did you end up thinking of this movie, Max Avery? Uh, I I enjoyed the living crap out of it. I mean, it's like, you know, it's it's sort of like that uh, that Stanley Kubrick quote, which I believe I'm paraphrasing, but it's something along the lines of like, a movie doesn't have to make sense; it just has to be interesting. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, does this movie take that to heart. Uh, yeah, like it's it's just like I thought you were going to talk about just, that great Stanley Kubrick quote, quote: "The great nations have always acted like gangsters, and the small nations like <laughs> prostitutes." Oh, I'm just I'm just that's joking. This is completely random. I thought quote. you were going to use that, great that Stanley <laughs> Kubrick quote where he says, "Let the big monkey hit the big lizard." <laughs> <laughs> you could literally fill oh. in any of fifty quotes after that <laughs> sentence. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. But like it, you know, it it, it hits the ground running and it completely discards all the monarch bullshit. Are we allowed to say yes, bullshit? Yes, you can. Fine. But okay. also, all the monarch disagree. Bullshit. Disagree with that statement. But yeah. Like they're they're basically like you know Shield 2.0 or whatever they want to call it. Like you know, like who cares? It's the Venture like, Brothers uh, villain name too, so I can never take it seriously. It's the Monarch. 
yeah. terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, like, I, I never cared about that stuff. I never cared about the people. Like, I don't even think the movies themselves cared. Like, I, you know, I think one of the, like, main characters in, in King of the Monsters, just she just got stomped on. And then, like, it was just, like, we just never heard from her, about her, <laughs> of her again. Like, it was, like, totally unceremonious. Like, like, and I just, I just, yeah, I just never got invested in anybody, you know. Like, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that, like, you know, like, Brian Cranston should have just been the guy. Like, sure, he should have sure. just been, like, the Kyle Chandler guy there's through a lot, the whole thing. There's a lot to like about the Gareth Edwards movie, but I'll, I'll talk more about that during my turn. I think that one was like that one was like sort of like almost like mm-hmm. Spielbergian or like you know like it, it was it felt very grounded like it, the series itself actually plays out very similar to the way the Toho series mm-hmm, played out mm-hmm. which is like the first one was very like you know sober and grounded and like uh, you know took like almost a neo realist approach to the you know to 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 the story you know despite the primitive effects you know and then it kind of got more abstract and cubist and wacky as it went on (laughs) and like you know i think we're in the cubist period now of the legendary movies love it Uh, well that's great to hear i'm glad you enjoyed this one uh davindra let's go to you uh you were just talking about how gareth edwards movie was pretty good and i actually agree with you probably to to my estimation the strongest out of these this whole set of movies for sure for sure i actually went back and rewatched the gareth edwards one because my wife hadn't seen it and you know, at the time, I don't think we, I, or at least I didn't fully appreciate just like the sense of pacing and tone he had in that one. Like there is a sense of awe in that movie, right? Of this this horrific thing, this Godzilla, and that movie treats Godzilla with such reverence, maybe too much reverence. I don't think the humans really matter much, although Cranston is very good. But every single monster sequence looks amazing and you get a sense of scale, you get a sense of danger, you really feel that. And I do think King of the Monsters, the last movie, um, destroyed all all that. Um, that movie was just horse shit. Um, so this one, I'm kind of coming into it like not really expecting much. I didn't really like Adam Wingard's last two movies. Uh, Death Note is an abomination on an incredible manga and anime series. Blair Witch was just boring as hell. I thought this movie was but dumb the as guest shit. was good. Guess the was guest good. was good. That was 2014. That was a while ago. Um, I thought this movie was dumb as shit but but i enjoyed the hell out of it this movie is a blast it is it is a ton of fun in the way that um i saw a lot of people talking about this on twitter it is very wrestling it is very like uh wcw or i don't know was it ecw it is very like very much you got your big titans you have like uh, the the things are known for there are reveals there are like heel turns there's all like the fun stuff you'd want from a big wrestling match so I'm also kind of here that you're you're not really sensing it Jeff so that's kind of we'll see we'll talk about it once I hear more about your thoughts I, I would say um, how dare you on the on the eve think, of WrestleMania how dare you especially <laughs> like this is if I want to see the big monsters fight I want to see them fight well I want to see uh, Kong use a uh, jet like a ninja star. I want to see Kong jump off of buildings and elbow Godzilla. Like it does pay off in all those big monster action things that I really want to see. Um, but yeah, the, the human stuff is is awful. This movie shouldn't be nearly two hours long. Um, I don't care about any of the humans. I think this is um, a genuinely awful script that makes every human character in it 
look bad. Like every actor participating in this, nobody comes out looking good because it's just horseshit that they're spewing at each other. Um, but once they get away from the humans and get back to the monsters, I, I kind of like what they're doing with Kong. I like his whole intro sequence, his whole Truman Show sequence. Um, and then things get really interesting between the monsters. And I think the fights are really fun and really good. Um, you can tell that Wingard saw a lot of the Toho movies because a lot of the wackiness is in there too. But there's also like a lot of reverence for giant robot anime too. Like the uh, the battle you see on uh, in the trailers of Kong and Godzilla across battleships, that is straight up Neon Genesis Evangelion. You know, there there's so much fun, dorky, geeky stuff in this. He has pure glee with the action of it. And we'll talk more about this in spoilers. I couldn't help but have fun. I had a lot of fun with this movie, even though I was rolling my eyes whenever a human said anything. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Godzilla vs. Kong? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on Godzilla vs. Kong are best summed up in the form of a limerick. You know, I think it's, it's been a while since Max has been here. Maybe we should explain to him why you're reciting a limerick on this oh, a film podcast. I have no desire to do this, Max. <laughs> Is, uh, Jeff, are you the Andrew Dice Clay of this podcast? Oh, I, God, I hope not. I, <laughs> I, I do this under duress. Uh, Dave has mandated, nay, demanded that... Uh, mandated, I, dem- Shouldn't the stronger thing come second, Jeff? Nay, suggested... <laughs> strongly (laughs) that no episode shall be put on the RSS feed without a limerick. He said he would walk. He would turn tail like Godzilla and just walk into the sea. (laughs) All we would see is the top of Dave's head just skimming across the ocean. That's what he said he would do. And so it falls to me. I'm the only one who has picked up the, the the mantle of responsibility here and uh, and and comes equipped with a with the limerick every week? I don't want to. No one enjoys it, <laughs> least of all me. <laughs> and to make things worse, this week I have two. Uh, oh, whoa. I, I have two for two for two type one limerick. Yeah, 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 one 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 for Kong and one for Godzilla. It's only oh, it felt wow. Right. Okay, uh, I, right. I don't know which one should win. Maybe you guys can tell me which of these two limericks. There's not really one for Kong, one for Godzilla. Limerick versus Limerick. Yeah. Whoever wins, we yeah. lose. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't even know which one to start with. Okay, here we go. If you happen to be on the fence, the scale of the action's immense, and you might get a grin if you know going in that none of this bullshit makes sense. Yes. I like that <laughs> good. one. That was very good, Jeff. Yeah. Very right. good. Yep. Limerick number two. If you want to see monsters get wrecked with cutting-edge visual effects... Just cut out the shots where the humans talk, and the half an hour left is perfect. The monster <laughs> cut. Give me the monster cut. That's Pretty good movie. Pretty good, Jeff. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know which one you guys like more. Bravo. But... Bravo. Golf Thank you. Uh, this movie could have been a half an hour long, and it would have been real fun. Yes. Agreed. Real fun. If you just watched the CG, the full CG animated film that this is, uh, when the monsters are fighting each other in big cities with really cool production design and, uh, you know, like there's a neon city that's super awesome. And like there's the CG is fantastic. The visual effects, phenomenal. Really, really high quality. I you know thought, Hong Kong's a real place, Jeff. Yeah, but it doesn't look like that all the time. 
I got I got to say that this movie definitely looks like a, like some kind of like a MDMA club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think like, I don't think if I went to Hong I kind of know how Jeff Wing, how uh, how, how Adam Wingard has been. Uh, well, he he, yep, he yep. used a lot of his uh, lessons of working with neon from the guest for this mm-hmm. one. Right? It, it it is but, very neon filled. Maybe yeah. anyway. Not to the I think it looks movie. great. I think the CGI is great. I think the chore- choreography of the fights is fun. Literally everything else <laughs> is utter tripe. Hey, just, there's podcast awareness in this movie. Hold on. Let, is, let, okay. let Jeff, let yeah. Jeff there, finish. Let him go there, off it on is this a, thing. It yeah. is a movie about a podcaster who saves the world. So <laughs> in that sense, I do give it some credit. Um, but it, it <laughs> it's, it's a Transformers movie. Sure. I mean, it is. If, if you just subbed out Kong and Godzilla and put in big robots that turn into cars, no one would notice. It's the same movie. It... it, it Everything it, it is loaded down with all these dumb ideas that it, it feel like, what? What? If you just did a list, if you just did a bullet point list of the plot points of this movie, and, yeah. and you just said them out loud, yeah. it would sound like you were having a fever dream. That would be your mistake of looking at the plot points of this movie. But yeah, it, like, yeah. It, It's yeah. just utter insanity that the movie just feels the need to add lore that comes out of nowhere for no reason. And like... All of a sudden, these characters have all this fucking. We're on Cybertron, you know. It's it's <laughs> it is so batshit dumb that I, I, you know, like you guys. There's still a lot of fun to be had with the fights. Like the fights are real fun. But man, if I could just watch the half an hour of fights without any context, it would be a superior film. Sure. None YouTube, of the human YouTube beings will fix this movie for all of us. Yeah, yeah. none of the human beings in this movie add any positive <laughs> any positive impression to the experience of this movie it, it nothing they do there's like two main plots and one of them is entirely disposable entirely disposable it it the purpose of the secondary plot the podcaster plot is to reveal information that that can and will be revealed in one, like two sentences of dialogue it, there's it, we the build up to it is so inane and then for what? Like we get nothing out of that. It's it is uh it's not a good movie, but I like you guys. There's there's some fun, especially you know, in this sort of blockbuster starved year that we've had, where just seeing something on the size and scale of this is kind of is kind of refreshing. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot that movies could be this balls to the wall and mm-hmm. dumb, but this would be a great IMAX movie. Yeah, there's a lot of money in this. There's a lot of money in the frames of this movie. And in that sense, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember when movies were expensive (laughs) to make. Uh, Although expensive movies, most of the expensive movies are just sitting on a shelf waiting for COVID to be done. So Mm -hmm. it's been a long time since I've seen anything like this, but that doesn't make it a good movie. It's, you know, there's some joy to be had for sure. And I think if you know going in that it's real dumb, maybe you'll have more joy. But it's, I actually liked a couple of these previous, uh, Kong movies, the 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 Skull Island movie, I Skull thought Island was ha- great. halfway yeah. decent movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't it didn't insult my intelligence? There's a lot of really cool, unexpected things that happen. This movie is none of that. It makes no sense. There are sci-fi elements that are just thrown in. Like somebody had a stack of ideas they just wanted to squeeze into this movie for some stupid reason. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but whatever. There's a big monkey hitting a big lizard. So, yeah. like Kubrick said, that's that's good. <laughs> 
I love I love how committed you are to like calling it like it's saying it's exactly the same as a Transformers movie. <laughs> like you're just like if King Kong put a cassette tape yeah. in his chest and played a hip hop, you would not song, know any difference. It would be the exact same yeah, movie. You would not know any difference. There's like a little girl that falls in love with a uh, bumblebee. I mean, monkey. It doesn't matter. It's all the same <laughs> shit. Uh, I got to say, I kind of agree. This is like a, that scene at the end of 8 Mile where Eminem kind of shows up that guy and he has nothing else to say. I'm like, Jeff, Jeff already basically said what I had to say about this movie. <laughs> like, I'm just like, yeah, uh, I, I agree. You get to watch the monkey hit the lizard and all the human stuff is uh, is a pretty big waste of time. And the movie does not need to be an hour and 50 minutes. I will say this, that I am a little bit bummed that we did not get to see this in theaters. I think it would have yeah. been a fundamentally yeah. different experience. Yes. Um, and from people I've talked to who have seen it in theaters, they've said like, this is actually really incredible and breathtaking in a theater in IMAX. And I just don't think you get that experience at home. So it probably would have been marginally a better experience in the theater. Uh, but overall, gotta agree. I thought the human drama was completely disposable. The 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 reckless abandon with which they introduced sci fi concepts uh, was just bl- blistering. They they and, go full on crazy in this yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's it's literally like the world right outside your window. Except there's a whole lot of weird shit. Ah, we're not gonna go into it. Just take our word for it. We got sp- spaceships. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. We're cool. Yeah. Let's not uh, explain if the Earth is hollow, uh, how that means anything for our understanding of geology and, you know, <laughs> the, the structure of our planet. Yeah. So, Max, curious, uh, before we get to spoilers, if you had any opinion on the human parts of the drama and whether uh, it, it was at all compelling to you? Um, I think it was just the right level of who gives a <laughs> Like, it, it was... <laughs> No, it's like, no, but it's like, sometimes you get like, you know, these actors in it and it's like, they, you know, either like they, you can tell like they feel above it Mm. or they feel like, you know, or they're trying to like, you know, you know, take the attention away from Kong. Like nobody can take the attention away from Kong and like, you know, Alexander Skarsgård and and everybody, you know, like they're just like, yeah, like we know you're not here for us. I I kind of think of what would Paperboy's reaction be to brian tyree henry's character in this movie and i just think he would not find his buffoonery amusing you know (laughs) um anyway why don't we get the spoilers for godzilla versus kong starting right now now you're looking for the secret you're gonna see this coming no but you won't find it because of course they're not gonna see this coming you're not really looking i have been puzzling over how it works you don't really want to work it out who's in the box i have been dying to tell you i want to tell you my secret you want to be fooled. So, in terms of spoilers, yeah, there, there's think, a big one. Can, can I can I just say yeah, hit, hit us, Devendra? Hit ask us. you guys. Uh, the biggest revelation in this movie <laughs> is that uh, Kong, who is not quite king yet, he's got a great ass. <laughs> so well defined. Could stop looking at it. <laughs> was that an Al Pacino impression? Yeah, just like an yes. Al Pacino, just show yeah. up. I could, I could go all the way. Yeah, we got our I, head stuck all the way up it. If you were the man you were five years ago, you'd take a flamethrower to this place. When I think just looking at the w- just looking at the something know, comes just looking out at the waveform yeah. the waveform of Devinder Sneed and Zencaster is pretty yeah, it intense. Peaked. It peaked is what they call it. Yes. in the in the say. industry they call it peaking. Um, couldn't, couldn't help but notice it. Sorry. It's what the in, it's what the waveform was doing, and what Devendra was doing. Uh, <laughs> so I career the wise, called it full Pacino. 
Yeah. Uh, I think it, I think it's also in a weird way. I think it's what this movie yes. did. Like I don't yes. like I I don't I don't know. I mean, we can get into it, but like I don't know how you follow up this because you know, like the, there are only so many aspects of God's the Godzilla mythology that Americans are aware of. It's like Mothra, Ghidorah, Mechagodzilla. That's pretty much it. Like, you know, you know, once you get into the weeds of it, like it's like Megagirus, mm-hmm. like who like like are Americans really gonna care? Like they're gonna have to combine this with Fast and Furious. Oh now, now <laughs> we are talking. The only yes. thing that can take down a Godzilla Kong team up Ooh. is a gr- it's family. It's family, let's be honest. It's just Vin Diesel. Vin <laughs> Diesel versus Godzilla. I put my money on Vin Diesel. Yeah, and Kong has to uh, drink a Corona. <laughs> I'm going to read to you guys a tweet that Elon Musk sent out about Godzilla vs. Kong uh, that will either be extremely exciting and enticing to you, or if you're like me, will be incredibly off-putting. He wrote, quote, Godzilla vs. Kong is so amaze, much wow. Most insane movie I've ever seen. Love letter to conspiracy theorists, and yet heartwarming in the end. End quote. Yeah, I love it. Lo- love which, it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just gonna say that it kind of uh-huh. hits different to have a movie in which a podcast conspiracy theorist is uh, uh, given, you know, like a, a protagonist like role and and helps to save the world. Um, Did you guys see 2012? Yeah, uh, yeah, the Roland Emmerich film. Is that yeah, you remember? remember? You remember the uh, the. Um, um, <laughs> my brain stopped what? working. You, you I can't just even finish the sentence. The uh, what's his name? The, the John Cusack? Actor. No, Dick the Gyllenhaal. No, the actor no, no, who's in Cheers, fucking in Cheers and eyes and everything. Uh, Natural Killers. Dancing. John oh. Ratzenberger. My God, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Yeah, Thank you. Woody. Woody. Yeah. Thank you. The Woody Harrelson part is this. It's the same shit. Sure. It's this, yeah. It's the it's the crazy podcaster living in the thing who is the only person that knows the truth. It's it's like lifted a whole. Cloth from that movie. It's, it's happened several times in these movies. Yeah. Most movie, disaster films need to have one of these people that's really wacky. Well, no, it's 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 Charles Exposition is what it is, right? Ba- right. Or Basil Exposition is what I meant. I don't, my <laughs> brain's not working tonight. Yeah, I'm what sorry. What is going on with you? Anyway, it's okay. So, it's okay. So uh, yeah, I, I I was a little bit bummed out that the uh, conspiracy theorist has proven to be right, and uh, mm-hmm. well, we should not embolden them. Uh, we should also, not embolden also, them. That, yeah. Perhaps the worst goddamn security at this multi-billion dollar corporation. The guy is podcasting from within <laughs> your building. His epi- like he is he is live streaming. He's podcasting from the car, uh, which is the thing that we do apparently. But yeah, really not trying to hide his identity at all. Yeah, he gave him right. a timeline and, 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 the whole and everything. T- yeah. yeah. And the whole time that uh, you know Brian, Brian and uh, you know and 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 the two. And Millie Bobby Brown and uh, Julian Dennison are just like wandering around the Hong Kong apex plant. You know, I'm like, does anybody have a security camera? And don't they see the gang from Scooby Doo <laughs> walking around the apex? Oh, dude, the, the van that they have, the, like, just it's such a Michael Bay. Like, look at this wacky van. It just feels so. <laughs> Yeah, it's like me. how Michael Bay would depict hackers, basically. Yes. Right? Like, yes, absolutely. it's like this kind of cartoon version of what they might be like. Yeah, uh, but uh, okay. I did, I did like though the scene where he's like, "We'll just hack into the thing," and the, he's like, uh, "Well, I, I, I don't know. I just know how to like download free shit from the internet. I don't know." I was like, "Oh, oh!" For one second, the movie is actually, you know, a, a little aware of how dumb it is, and then, and then the solution is, "I'm going to pour soda or uh, whiskey on it." Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So hollow. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like you know the, those characters. They kind of remind me a little bit of the, like the Snyder version of Batman because like in both of the Snyder movies with Batman, like there's inevitably like long stretches where Batman is just standing and staring at what's going on because he can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. on that note, on that note, uh, I think that this movie basically invented an entire other planet essentially for the sole purpose of giving Kong a weapon yeah. so that he would not be completely wiped out at the at the beginning of any fight with Godzilla right because if you have a uh, a creature that can basically breathe laser breath and Kong like that's game over right from the outset unless you have a weapon that can absorb massive quantities of energy, which is basically the exact thing they did in Zack Snyder's Justice League. They yeah. gave uh, Batman these kind of uh, glowing fisticuffs, and he could absorb like heat vision. And that's the only reason, not, not even that he has a chance against Superman, but so he doesn't die instantly. You know what I mean? Uh, wait, so I, think, I wanna, yeah. Okay, hey, go ahead. No, no, no go, 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 go. Please, please. I want to kind of deep dive into that moment with yeah. the whiskey. Because, um, so... Correct me if I'm wrong, because it gets a little convoluted. Which but, moment with the whiskey you're talking about? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step, step us into it. Yeah. So the idea this. is, and yes, we're late in the movie. I'm jumping late into the movie. Apologies okay. for not yep. going chronologically. But so the idea here is that Mechagodzilla has been created by the big corporation <clears throat> to, I guess, take down Godzilla. Or Godzilla senses the threat of Mechagodzilla is, is, a, is right. not going to be the apex predator. Right, which, right. by the way, super reasonable thing to do to create Mechagodzilla because... Godzilla has totally already wiped it. out like hundreds yeah. of people, uh, and so it's like, okay, we gotta we gotta be guys, ready for Godzilla. Guys, if he, it, it's if he... symbolism, symbolism of man's hubris. Right. <laughs> so anyway, but, so and so, and, but, yeah, and by, and by the way, it makes like infinitely more sense than the original first appearance <laughs> of Mechagodzilla, yep. where like aliens dress up Mechagodzilla in like a God, Godzilla costume, basically. <laughs> never, they never see it coming. But you're right. How, how dare yeah. humans try to defend themselves? You know, no, I, I'm, I, I haven't even gotten to the <laughs> yeah. dumb shit yet. Go, go ahead. So, yeah. But okay. So what happens is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what happens is they tie, they plug it into a monster from a previous the the three monster. Yeah, Ghidorah. Yeah, yeah. Ghidorah. Yeah. The, but you know, and also just, established that Ghidorah was telepathic. Its heads were so far apart that apparently <laughs> telepathy makes more sense than a nervous system that communicates across yeah, all the heads. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah. the idea is because they plug it in to the head. Yeah, yeah. It it becomes sentient on its own mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. out of control. Yeah. Right. So it's like and, Ghidorah's spirit or something yeah. is like haunting. The heads were always so now it is yeah. it yeah. is no longer controlled by the dude in the VR goggles. Yes, and that dude zapped with like <laughs> 1987's lightning yeah. effect. Yeah. Uh -huh, the dude uh -huh. who is Pacific rimming, which is a term yeah. that we will use. He henceforth. was he clearly wasn't drift compatible with Ghidorah. So. Yeah. yeah, he got he got himself a rim job is what you're saying, right? A Pacific rim uh, job. Yes. Yep. Uh, yes. Excuse me. And, and, by, and by the way, we should, we should just mention that that actor, uh, Sean Naguri is playing the son <laughs> of Ken Watanabe's character. <laughs> Not that you would ever, uh, ever know mm, that from watching that, movie. but that, that makes me like this movie now that, mm. that just ties the whole universe together. <laughs> no, but anyway, so, so we are to believe that now Mechagodzilla is, is a rogue agent completely untethered to any human control. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. So the solution to taking down Mechagodzilla is to pour whiskey on a computer 
that is miles away from where Mechagodzilla is. Yep, which is now nearby. its own right. autonomous creature, untethered. Well, what it's, the it's fuck? clearly relying well, on the well, satellites, Mecha, Mecha, Jeffrey. Yeah, it yeah. needs the satellites to How? Why? Well, yeah, Mechagodzilla still needs Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Jeff. Oh, oh, that's another one. Oh, my, <laughs> one of my favorite moments in this entire movie is they are in the center of the fucking earth. Uh-huh. They're in the hollow earth. As you and do, we, yeah. And we get a shot of a computer screen and it says downloading. <laughs> well, it's. It, I think that's a, clearly a tribute to... Uh, to Independence Day, Jeff, you know, and and kind I just of- loved, I love the because they're sending the the daughter is sending the information back to her dad from a never reached point. No human has ever been here before. Mm-hmm. It's the center of the goddamn Earth, yeah. And somehow there's sweet ass Wi Fi there. Sweet ass Wi Fi. <laughs> They well, made gravity. Talk, it, also, it also is. It, it is interesting that um, I, I that uh, Adam Wingard decided to make the uh the apex corporation headquarters in hong mm. kong basically look like the tyrell oh, corporation yeah. from blade, in blade runner. runner yeah I, I thought it was a nice yeah which is nice a little reference yeah. yeah it's like it's basically it's a good shorthand for like you know okay the machine's gonna rise against this creator you get you it you get it <laughs> we don't need to we don't need to put that in the plot or the subtext just like just look at the building you know and you're good um max <laughs> curious uh let's talk about hollow earth a little bit like, what did you, okay. what did you think of this? Con- I thought it was pretty cool in terms of like a world that they've realized on screen. Makes absolutely yeah, yeah. zero sense. Like, <laughs> where is all the light coming from for starters? But okay. Anyway. Yeah. It is very, it is very like kind of reminiscent of, I guess, Avatar, but it has like, it has a different, like it does has an even more, I think, psychedelic quality to it. Um, you know, it basically has like, you know, mountains that are like, like not just mountains, but like whole landscapes that are basically upside yeah. down and like these like, you know, weird glowing, you know, purple rocks that are just floating around. Um, and I, and I, you know, I, I like the, the mythological feel of it that like, you know, this was the domain of the, whatever species the Kong is like, you know, he, yeah, like the, the or, that he was sort of the king here and uh and his people had weapons and a culture and sculptures and all this stuff you know like it, it's good it, it, i think it, i think it only helps to make kong more of a sort of the audience slash human surrogate mm. because you know there, there is not a lot to latch on to in the you know lizardy you know flat stupid face of godzilla <laughs> How dare you? Well, sir? yeah. I mean, first of all, that's extremely offensive, Max. Um, I it's mean, amazing how, how much this movie takes sides, though. It totally takes sides. It totally it's like takes sides. it's a Kong yeah. movie, you know, with the the evil guy is, is Godzilla. It's like totally not it, even. It's because to... you know Godzilla will always win. Godzilla's the best, guys. Like he's he's gonna win. He's he's powered by nuclear fission. <laughs> Kong is a giant monkey or a giant ape. That's all he's he, got. He, Kong is like the under ape, yeah, basically, yeah. right? Like he's he's the one you want to win, exactly, because Godzilla is so unstoppable. The under ape. <laughs> I do I do like too that it ba- it basically did have a three round yes. structure to the oh, fight. Like explicit. you know, Godzilla wins one. Looks like you Kong won round one. two. It's a line in the yeah. movie. <laughs> And then and then Kong loses, but he does save Godzilla's life. So I guess they're kind of like even, or it's a draw, or I don't know who gets how many points, yep. who the referee was. 
Well, the referee always gets knocked out uh, right at the end, and then shenanigans can happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Also, how fucking insane is it that they use a spaceship yeah. as a defibrillator in this movie? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty Many silly. Of the insane things happening. I, I think the minute I realized I love this movie, aside from the uh, the jet fighter ninja star moment, because that's pure brilliance. Like, come on, who's who's that's creativity. That's what I go to movies for, okay? But also the moment where Kong is just, uh, was he flying in the air or holding the axe up and Godzilla just superpowers it? And I'm like, that is a pure, that's an awesome D&D moment. That is like, this is nerds ruling the earth right now on screens. And uh, I kind of love it. Like the the uber nerds, the nerds nobody wants to have anything to do with. Not the nerds who became, you know, the cool MCU you know, people. <laughs> it is, yeah, we gotta, we gotta, stri- we gotta have like nerd stratification. Going exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, the yeah. true outcast. It's, it's, there's also that there, there is a, there's a really cool thing that they do with Kong, where they basically they position him as sort of like a dad action hero, mm-hmm. like a Liam Neeson or a Bruce Willis. Like, I mean, like there is, there's a moment where he literally does the lethal weapon two thing and like, you know, relocates his shoulder with, <laughs> on a bill. Yes. So true. And not only, not only do they do that, lethal weapon two is credited in the credits. Wow. If you watch the end credits. No, go look. Oh my God. In the, in, in the John Carpenter font credits. It's, uh, it's just so many movie references. I mean, it really you does tell feel somebody, like, yeah. somebody who loves movies. Made it's true. It does feel like it's just a, a bunch of things lifted from other places. Uh, but I guess that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you sound, you sound so <laughs> thrilled about that joke. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, th- there's this entire feud between Kong and Godzilla is a misunderstanding. Yes. Yeah, that's not compelling. That's not good screenwriting, you know, and and the only thing that stops it is a a enemies of my enemies, my friend. There's no there's not there's no these are the main characters of your movie. Godzilla and Kong are the main characters of your movie. Let's maybe I don't know, have something happen that isn't just well, now the dumb idiot humans are involved. And let's I think think here's, here's my reaction to that, Jeff, is I feel like reviewing this movie is a trap. Exactly. And what I mean by that yes. is like, I, I thought about making like a video. I usually try to do like a video review every one or two weeks on my YouTube channel. And I thought about doing one for this one. And it just, I just couldn't do it because ultimately I want, I've realized something watching this movie is that I want my big monster movies to have some kind of meaning. We are all and- Ken Watanabe right now too. But yeah, <laughs> let just let them fight. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. But guys, I, yeah. I, I, I just, uh, I, I mean, like you can have a good monster movie that like is mm-hmm. inspiring, that is that fills you with awe, or that makes you think, you know. And this one is a really does a really good job at showing two large things punching each other, and it's like yes, it, that that is that is something that a lot of people enjoy, and and this is a very well done edition of it, but. I kind of am looking for more, but if I express that, I sound like an asshole. Like, no, it's no. like I, I'm looking, looking forward to talking about Shin Godzilla with you, right? Which yeah, is yeah. a movie which that is all about big agreed, ideas. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. I love yeah. Shin Godzilla, so, but it's like, it's like, oh, David, you you wanted something for the, you wanted to feel something for the other than visceral f- sensations for this Godzilla versus Kong movie. It's called Godzilla versus Kong. It's about the monkey fighting the lizard. How dare you expect anything more from this movie? It's true. And, well, and I, I, my my entire point at the beginning was just okay. Then give me the half an hour of monkey fighting lizard, and I'm fine. 
fine. Yeah. You're the one. You, filmmaker, are the one <laughs> hanging two hours of other bullshit on this. Like, yeah. d- don't don't come at me for criticizing you for trying to, <laughs> you know, tie it all together with some grand ideas. You're doing. I have no desire for you to do that. I Just, like how I like how you and me are having like intense arguments with fictional people in our head, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. That's what my Adam Wingard's listening to all of this and saying, oh, yes. "Yeah, yeah, oh, yes. like totally." Um, but to what to what you're saying, Dave. I think this speaks to the entire Toho story of Godzilla, the first Godzilla movie. And I'm not sure if I've ever like really dived into this much here, dove into it. Um, that movie is a nightmare. It's a drama movie. It's a horror movie. It is. Mm-hmm. Godzilla's That's not right. there to just like have fun or be the savior of humanity. He is the product of World War II and Japan's fears of more nuclear bombs and everything. Every, it is all of a culture's anxieties wrapped up into one character in one movie. It is horrifying to watch, and I love yeah, it. It's it's, yeah. it's it's the Nightmare on Elm Street. It's Rocky yes, One. Yes, it's, it's all of that that same phenomenon where like oh, then people fell in love with the Godzilla character, and the the subsequent movie just became completely not about what that first movie was about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it gets wacky and campy, and then yeah. you lose it. But but I, yeah, I th- I think that there's you know piggybacking off of that. I think there is. The reason I like this one more than the other ones is I think this one is the campiest. Mm-hmm. It is the silliest. And I think these, you know, because they're able to render the characters and the environments so realistically, you know, you feel the impact more and you feel the, vis- you know, like the, 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 you know, all the, the chaos and the, and the damage that they're inflicting on their environs. And so like, you know, the more grounded and gritty it is, the more you, it's just like a horror show or like a post nine 11 kind of like, Oh, like, I don't know if I can enjoy Stay tuned this. for our conversation about Shin Godzilla, because <laughs> that is purely what that movie is. But Hey, uh, speaking of the action of this too, like, I think it is worth comparing it to King of the Monsters, which as a movie uh, directed by Michael Doggerty, who I like, I like his stuff, but that movie, I can't enjoy any of the action. In it. I can't see anything. Because so much of that action is clouded by a monster who literally just makes storms, you know, like it is it is so confusing and you there's there's like nothing really to enjoy. Whereas this one, like at least I get decent giant monster choreography, you know, the world is shit outside. But I, I got at least something. To well, yeah, and, and some of the fights happen in the daytime. Which yes. is it's a huge yes. bonus in being able to comprehend what's going on. So. You you guys didn't appreciate the uh, the way they shot uh, King of the Monsters in glaucoma vision mm, <laughs> like no, that. No, not can't say <laughs> making grandmas no. everywhere cry right yeah. now. Max, harsh, yeah. man. harsh. Um, <laughs> hey, okay. I want to. They're, they're like 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 Wingard definitely. You know, he told me like he was definitely aware that like you know people didn't like that. They didn't like all the particle effects. They didn't like you know, and that that wasn't really his sensibility to begin with. So like yeah, like there was. He, there wasn't really like so much of like a, a you know switching gears type of thing. It was just like this movie was always kind of intended to be a little more right. Fun. And, and Max, you were on set, right? Can you any any stories you want yes. to share about this one? Well, it, it is the my continued um, sadness at like watching a movie, and in in this case, it's the scene where they're um, at Apex and they're. Um, in the room with the giant uh, uh, King Ghidorah head and, you know, realizing that this actual giant skull prop that they made and manufactured with all the wires and the glowing and everything 
looks completely fake in the movie. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. It's like, I've, I, this has happened to me so many times where like, I've, I've, I've gone to a movie where I'm like on the set and I know the set was real. And then somehow it's, Oh, you're saying fake. it looked like CG in the movie. You're saying, mm. yeah, it looks, it, it looked like CG. And I was like, no, it's not. CG. <laughs> it's like, I guess, it, I guess everything is just processed so much these days that like, yeah, yeah. you know, it just, it just kind of looks like that. But I, I was, yeah, I was on the set with the, with the Ghidorah, skull um and i actually i watched um them uh our uh our, our scooby-doo trio uh you know do this scene where they're underneath the uh the skull and they're uh sort of listening to shun oguri you know talk about you know controlling mechagodzilla and all this stuff and it was actually cut out of the movie and uh wingard told me it was too much of, of a, of a quote-unquote scooby-doo mm. moment so like but but i i you know i i saw it was funny because when we were on set, they made it like a real point not to tell us about Mechagodzilla, but we wound up just seeing him through an office. <laughs> but also, <laughs> like some you saw Ghidorah's we head like, with tons of wires, and you're like, huh, I wonder what the logical conclusion of this uh, you know, prop is. How would you describe the vibe on set? You know, like people see Michael Bay on set, and they're like, wow, he's so intense and enthusiastic. Like, uh, how how would you describe the vibe if it, if it's at all notable from other movies you visited? I I, I think it seemed like Wingard was very comfortable and very like you know it was very casual. It wasn't tense or anything like, and he let the actors, um, you know, do many different iterations of the scene. You know, he let them. You know, he let especially Brian Tyree. You know, he, like he he like he got to you know improv all this dialogue oh man this is what i get for hanging out with teenagers and stuff like that <laughs> you know like it was it was a lot of fun and, and the cast seemed to be having a blast i mean um yeah like it, it was it was just a really fun uh it, it was it's one of definitely one of my favorite set visits that i've ever done and uh yeah, like it, it, it makes me a little wistful for the days when they would actually fly us to sets and we got to go. I mean, I, I feel like with all the COVID protocols now, like I don't want Tom Cruise to yell at me. So I don't Indeed. want to do it. I have to say, I think uh, the movie feels like it was edited to shreds. Oh, yeah. And there's a few pieces of evidence for that. One of them is, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but Kyle Chandler accidentally wandered onto set. Um, he's very con- confused and discombobulated. And basically, they just kept it in the movie, uh, from yep, what I can yep. tell. He he has no idea what he's making. Lance Reddick is in this movie for Lance five Reddick, seconds. Lance five Reddick seconds. is is top build in this. <laughs> he is in the opening credits of the film. And he has maybe three lines in the whole entire movie. Love it. Love it. Um, Lance Reddick was in the College Humor Toys R Me video longer than he was in this one. <laughs> which is a great video. I, I, I was, yeah, I was very upset that Kyle Chandler didn't really get a proper Kong reunion because mm. he was in the Peter Jackson movie and they the two of them didn't they didn't get their Aww. I loved you in Wall Street moment mm. from Hot Shots Part Two. Wow. <laughs> just you just threw in like five references into that sentence, Max. Nicely done. <laughs> um okay. Anyway, those are our thoughts on, Wait, on oh, da- go ahead. Jim. I have one more thing that yeah. I need to do. Go please. Now, please. I didn't want to have to do this. Oh mm-hmm. boy. Mm-hmm. But you were hoping one of us could would take it for you, but Javindra yeah. came at me. Yep. <laughs> and, okay. And there's yes. like there's like three people listening who care about this. Yep. yep. But this is for them. I'm not because one of them. you none of nobody here is one of them. <laughs> this is going to be tedious and exhausting to everybody mm-hmm, listening, mm-hmm, except for those mm-hmm. three people. But for those three people, and mm-hmm, listen, mm-hmm. if you are one of the three, please tweet me. Davindra said that this 
was like a wrestling match. And I will tell you, if you want to go back in time, almost exactly 31 years to the day, April 1st, 1990, <laughs> WrestleMania 6, the World Wrestling Federation's Intercontinental Champion, the Ultimate Warrior, faces off against the WWF Heavyweight Champion, Hulk Hogan. You know what, Jeff? Both I, of I the saw listen to me! You will listen! Go! <laughs> Both of them baby faces at the top of the company. Heroes. Idolized by thousands. Why would they be fighting each other? It makes no sense. There's no heel. There's no villain to root against. It was the biggest match ever. The Ultimate Warrior ran down as he always did, taking the turnstiles, ripping them up and down. Hulk Hogan comes to the ring, his heroic theme song echoing. They stared at each other. The crowd didn't know what to do, who to, who to root for. They battled. Multiple double clotheslines where both men clotheslined the other at the same time, knocking each other out. That is the kind of storytelling that Godzilla versus Kong could have had where you don't know, you want them, but you don't have to make either one of them the villain. You don't have to take sides. You can have this epic confrontation of two beloved characters where we, the, the, the surrogates to the audience, the, the human beings could have been puzzled as to what's going on. Why are they? It could have been so much better. You could have learned from wrestling. Yeah. Mm. Can, can I respond to this real quick? Because I, I, I'm I have done. actually, <laughs> I have seen that match. I have seen that yeah, match. Jeff. Because it's it left epic an and every human should. in my mind. <laughs> I was also seven years old. So it also felt yeah. really big and epic in, yeah. in that respect. But I will say, there is no villain in this movie. Neither Godzilla or Kong is the villain. Mecha Godzilla is a villain. I do think like... Um, the villain shows up in the last 10 minutes of a two-hour sure, movie. Sure. and And... At no point did Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior think that there was some crazy misunderstanding. You know, that's I, I'm just saying that the storytelling as to the entire premise of this fight is non-existent. There's there's no effort made to even understand, to even provide a reason as to why these two monsters are fighting each other. Which is why I say, mm -hmm. just excise the 30 minutes of them fighting, put it in, <laughs> make it a short movie. It'll be great. Oh, you're, you're really making me do this, Jeff. Okay, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what's up <laughs> in Godzilla versus Kong. Godzilla, Godzilla senses the power of Mechagodzilla. He's just out there. He's out there to stop another, another horrific danger against humanity. The humans don't care. Humans don't give a fuck. They're still trying to shoot him. Godzilla don't give a shit. Godzilla's out there to help people, okay? Um, Kong, they, they meet. They meet on, in the ocean. Yeah, it's a it's a mistake. Kong is just defending his beautiful ass. That's all he's doing. <laughs> that's all. That's the only reason they're fighting is is Godzilla's trying to take a you know take out these human ships, and Kong's defending his ass. That's all he's doing. It's the ultimate meat. Cube. Exactly. Yeah. You exactly. saying Godzilla want dead ass? Godzilla blew a hole through the center of the earth to get to Kong. <laughs> to get that ass yes to get that right. ass and he got it i'm gonna ride your tail well, you know what i think i've been it. persuaded devendra i've been persuaded i think you were right all along. <laughs> all right well 
Speaking, I, I also I do. Can I just chime in for a yes. second? I just want to say that it, there is a precedent for Mechagodzilla <laughs> just going haywire. If you watch 2002's Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, then you will see that in the middle section, uh, Mechagodzilla goes haywire and begins destroying Tokyo in a manner similar to this movie. <laughs> I well, like we, for we just all got it out on the table. That's all we need. Yeah. That's all we need to do. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we all got to uh, do that. And here, while we're on the subject, guys, uh, while we're just getting stuff out there, let me just say, uh, I don't think creatures that large would be able to stand on boats without them tipping over. Mm, you're probably <laughs> correct. So uh, I want to my... know why, why at the end of the movie, no one goes, there's seriously like millions of people dead from all this. <laughs> <laughs> How many people were in all those buildings? How a, many lo- a lot, died? a lot. <laughs> well, I think they were completely evacuated at that point. Oh, though. oh, that's 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 good. They they 100... did make a lot of uh, a lot of talk about the evacuate, like people going to shelters. Because what I also like about the the Gareth Edwards movie is that uh, it is um, that is all about people just trying to run away from whatever whatever the hell is happening. You know, it is a lot about the humans trying to hide and stay safe, and that's the main plot. So I feel like by this movie, they're like, yeah. Uh, we've been dealing with these giant monsters for uh, almost ten years now, so we, we've come up with a couple of protocols um, to to hide. That, that's all. That's all I can think of because the movie doesn't really make anything clear. I, I can't yeah. believe. And, and they they also they do they. I thought it was good that they didn't really have the the sort of de rigor scene where like you know a bunch of you know military like try to you know, shoot missiles at Godzilla. Like at this point, they know missiles don't <laughs> they work. They still try to shoot him. They still I mean, try to shoot him. People yeah, never do, learn. But, but, but like when they do shoot it, it's just like to distract yeah. him or whatever. Like they're not like, this is going right. to do it. This isn't going right. to do it. Right. The, the guy in the jet who's like, I think I can get away. Oh, can't get away. <laughs> I can't believe we've gone through this entire review without mentioning the little girl, but I'm actually kind of glad too. Because That's a, I, I hate that trope. I hate that trope. And I cannot believe we're still doing it. So instead, I will remind you all of the generally awesome shot of the of them coming out of the hollow earth spaceship into the middle of the mecha godzilla and godzilla fight i thought that was gnarly as hell like that, that, that it's those little tidbits that kept me going through this movie and i really enjoyed that so thank you adam wingard even though this movie makes no sense all right well i think we can wrap it up right there folks that's our review of godzilla versus kong stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week uh but until then, you can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. Check out his YouTube channel. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Max Avery, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Where can people find your work on the internet, Max? Um, I uh, am, can be seen every single day at uh, ComingSoon.net. Um, I am on Twitter at Max Evry, M-A-X-E-V-R-Y. And I just want to say my own theme song is by Paul Williams. Nice. Nailed it. All right. So next week on the podcast, uh, we actually put two of – we actually – we are at a loss to to figure out what we're going to review next week on the podcast. So what uh, I did was – well, not I. I mean, we all agreed to do this – we posted on patreon.com slash film podcast for all patrons of any level to help us decide what to review. So we gave them a few choices. 
um, Happily by Ben David Grabinski, Concrete Cowboy by uh, Ricky Staub, Come True by Anthony Scott Burns, and The Empty Man by David Pryor. We put those four movies up to a vote and uh, allowed our patrons over at patreon.com slash filmpodcast to decide what we're going to review next week. And the movie that won by a pretty wide margin was Concrete Cowboy with 164 votes. Uh, so that is what we're going to be reviewing next week on the Slash Filmcast. It's gonna, it's available on Netflix right now. Um, also, uh, The Empty Man coming in second with 116 votes. And happily, I really want to see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard the. I was actually surprised at how high this came in because, uh, and I think a lot of people have said that it has kind of flown under the radar, but is apparently quite good. So it's become I'm a cult uh, yeah. cult thing. Yeah. I'm planning on checking. Well, that out. I, I, I can tell you fr- from the point of view of somebody who edits a website. Um, a certain company that now owns 20th Century mm. Fox um, did not promote that movie at mm. all. Do they rhyme <laughs> like with zero. Disney, perhaps? <laughs> I'm not going to say. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't want to upset. The mascot anybody, is Ricky Rouse. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe. I'm just going to say maybe. So, Concrete Cowboy Uh-oh. is our main review. You can find it on Netflix. Thanks to all the folks at Patreon.com/slash/filmpodcast. For supporting the show and for helping us decide what we're going to review. Thanks for listening to the Slash Filmcast. We'll see you later. He watched the movies, flicks, 